Well, hey there. Uh, it's me. It's Doug. It's uh, March 21st, 2023. I'm just sitting in the uh, parking lot at work. I've arrived here. It's 8.32 in the morning. Um, I have recorded a lot of clips over the last uh, few, several months, um, and a high percentage, nearly 100% of them, have basically gone into the trash. Um, mainly because I feel that they're either just poor audio quality or poor, poor stories, uh, just, just low quality of some sort, you know, not worthy of sharing with you. Um, could be too personal, could be, uh, just boring. Uh, I can hear in some of them, the fact that I just kind of lose interest while talking. Oops. I've just dropped my keys. Um, but I did record an episode about a month ago. In fact, I think it was back on February the 17th. And while it's not my, it's, it's, it still doesn't quite meet my full expectations of what an episode of the Slug is Doug podcast should be about. I think that it does represent something that is more akin to what I think this podcast is about. And I share uh, a couple of experiences that have happened to me over the last little while. Uh, kind of a small defeat and a small victory and a, uh, a remembrance. So I think it's kind of important in terms of the way that I, I view this podcast as being kind of an oral record of um, of uh, what my life has been going through. You know, like how I've been going through life in the last, uh, whatever this is, 15 years, I think, that I've been doing this podcast. So... Uh, that's it. I'm sorry for, uh, whatever bad audio quality is there is there. It, there is a bit of road noise. Um, it tends, tends to be the way that things are recorded for me right now is on the road. I spend over two hours a day on the road driving back and forth to work. And, um, that's about the only time that I get to record other than with the wonderful Oliver Rockside on the Star Trek podcast. But, um, here you go. Recorded back in, uh, February, Thank God that month is done. In February of um, 2023, I think it was the 17th, uh, this is Doug from Ago. I hope you're all well. Take care. Okay, we're going to try this. I'm going to try putting you in my pocket. We're going to see if this works. This works. You're hearing it. If not, oh well. We tried. Hey there, how you doing? It's me, it's Doug. It's 7.58 on, uh, what, February the, uh, uh, something? 19th? Something like that? Uh, it's been a while. It's been some time. Driving home from work, uh, if I sound different, it's because I'm in a different car. And I guess that's, uh, one of the things that I, I guess I want to try to talk about in my uh, my drive home tonight, uh, there's a couple things, but, uh, I think probably the first thing I should talk about is, uh, why I'm in a different car uh, driving home from, from work. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, driving home from work on a Friday night, much like tonight. Um, uh, and I, uh, was driving up the uh, 427, heading onto the 401, both big highways, major highways here in Toronto. And, uh, as I got onto the highway and started to accelerate, the 
oil pressure light came on in the car. And then shortly after that, the check engine light. And shortly after that, the car just stopped. Um, I was already in the process of trying to pull over to the side of the road. I was actually not really trying to pull over to the side of the road. I was trying to get off the highway. I was trying to find or get to the next exit. Try to um, pull over and try to see what was going on with the vehicle. But that didn't work. Uh, she shut down, stopped working. I was able to uh, pull it over to the side of the road and park it on the shoulder and call CAA. Um, they eventually came. Uh, I nearly, <laughs> nearly was going to be left stranded for quite some time uh, because on the app, they have an app, CAA has an app where you basically you, you say, hey, I'm, I'm stuck on the side of the road and they drop a pin on the map and you're supposed to like confirm where you are. Well, I'm doing it on my phone, and it's, you know, kind of stressful sitting on the side of the highway with the cars still going by and the cars rocking back and forth as you're trying to figure this out. And to me, it looked like the pin was in the right spot. But uh, later, after about 15, 20 minutes, when I hadn't even received a confirmation that uh, dispatch had received my call for a tow truck, I realized that it had dropped the pin in a residential area off to the southeast of where I was, which I figured that probably meant they weren't going to come to me any quicker than anybody else because they didn't know that I wasn't stuck on the side of the highway. They figured I was just stuck in my driveway or somebody else's driveway or on a residential street where it wasn't as sort of dangerous to be stuck on the side of the road. Uh, long story short, I canceled that, uh, but then found that when I was trying to redo it, um, you could, I couldn't redo it through the app. Panicked a little bit, but phoned them and got it all sorted out, and they came and they put the, uh, put the car up on the uh, flatbed and towed me home. I didn't get home till about 10.30 that night. It was a little bit of a... I left at 7, so it was about a three and a half hour commute. Um... And uh, the car went into the garage. Uh, I dropped it off at the, the um, mechanics and heard from them on the Monday or the Tuesday afterwards that uh, indeed they couldn't get it started. And they had uh, rolled it into the shop and uh, first they thought it was the battery. And they put a new battery in and that didn't do anything. I kind of figured it wasn't the battery because I had plenty of power sitting on the side of the highway. I was listening to the radio and lights were working and stuff like that. The thing wouldn't turn over. My worst fear came to fruition though. The engine had totally run out of oil and it had seized. Kaputski, done. Um, I don't know how it happened, but the, sounds like the last person that changed the oil didn't put the oil filter back on fully or properly and at some point it came totally undone and when they said when they put the car up on the hoist and they kind of lowered the pan uh, the oil filter just fell on the ground so in that whole time since my last oil change 
I've either been leaking oil or burning it or who knows what, I guess probably leaking, uh, this whole time. And it finally just totally fully ran out. What pisses me off is that probably two weeks before this happened, my, uh, time, my little reminder on the, the gauges said, hey, it's uh, time for an oil change. It's, you know, whatever. I think it's a scheduled thing that every 5,000 kilometers or whatever, it, it lets you know it's time for an oil change or an oil service. And I said to myself, yeah, we'll go get that as, uh, yeah, as soon as I can. But I figured, you know, a week or two, I'd be fine. Had I done it immediately, I probably would have uh, saved myself what in the end ends up being $5,000 for a new, well, a used engine uh, to be put into the car. So we'll be picking that up and we'll uh, see what it's like. Um, but luckily they were kind enough at work to rent me a car, a vehicle, to get back and forth. It was going to cost me $45 a day if I went through the uh, rental company that's, you know, a couple doors down the Enterprise. It's a couple doors down from my garage uh, with their rate. So that would have cost me you know, 250 bucks a week or more, actually, I guess. Uh, and it's been a couple of weeks. So it would have just made it that much more painful. So this was... Uh, this helped to ease the blow, although, you know, nobody likes to have to spend $5,000 on something that could have totally been prevented by a $30 oil change or whatever, whatever it costs. So check your oil from time to time, folks. It's, uh, it's important. That's the thing with these new, with all the new cars, with all the new signal, like, like all the new gauges and dials and sensors and stuff. We kind of don't, I have, at least I, and most of my coworkers were saying, we don't check our oil like we used to. I remember in my other cars, I would, you know, check my oil every couple of uh, stops in the gas station. But you get a reminder that, you know, 5,000 5, kilometers is time to change. You get, I figured that if there was a problem that the sensor would tell me, well, mechanic told me that once you see the oil pressure light, it's too late. So keep that in mind, folks. We still do need to change or check our oil. Use that dipstick. Make it a regular in your service visits. So that was a bit of a pain in the ass. But the good thing in all that was that I ended up staying home for a couple days while I was trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, it allowed me to sit and listen to records on my turntable uh, at home while I was working. Records that I hadn't listened to, listened to in probably, I don't know, at least five years, if not more. Uh, for some of them, 20, 20 years or more. Uh, and that's been really fun, uh, getting back into listening to my vinyl and uh, kind of getting back into actually listening to the hi-fi. So I've gotten very interested in um, record players. I went out and bought uh, a new one uh, that uh, I fixed up 
repaired it. It wasn't running very well when I bought it. I bought it for 20 bucks, fixed it, and uh, now it's running like a charm. And I've seen them running for, you know, 250, 280 bucks online. Uh, and I'll probably give it to Clara because she's uh, expressed some interest in uh, vinyl. Uh, so now I'm, I'm kind of hooked on uh, getting the right audio setup. I have some old amplifiers and receivers that I was uh, running everything through. But there was something, you know, There's they were old and um, they, they have their issues. One of them, the, the lights don't work very well on it, like so I don't know the display, what it says, and the volume knob is kind of nasty, and uh, the other one, uh, there's sort of a, every once in a while the left channel would drop out, or there would be scratching, it, it's probably not a huge fix. I got some electronic cleaner that I'll try to fix them up with, but uh, in the meantime, I bought an amazing Class D amplifier, $60. This thing powers my bookshelf speakers with no problem uh, and great sound. Great clean sound, great uh, sound staging. Uh, it just it's really quite something. So I've kind of gone down that rabbit hole of uh, hi-fi stereo systems again, which kind of re reminds me of my teenage years uh, when I was 18, uh, actually 16, I guess, first job, saving up my money and finally buying my very first hi-fi stereo uh, and uh, really, really getting into music and uh, sound systems so that's been kind of fun getting into that trying not to spend very much money uh trying to keep it uh reasonable so that was a nice benefit to uh you know a side benefit or side effect of staying home for a few days during that week while uh i figured out what was going on with the car before i got a rental uh and then today uh today was a great day was um, it was the day that we finally uh, opened up set and they started filming um, the set that I was flown down to uh, Washington DC to measure the location for uh, if you've heard the previous episode I think I talked about it. I think I talked about going down to Ben's Chili in Washington DC I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to tell you, but I, you know what? It's a good day. It's, it's felt good. So, uh, yeah, we started filming it. Our uh, our version of Ben's Chili, my version, uh, started off as mine, but it's ours now. There were so many people that worked on this to make it look so amazing. And uh, yeah, so crew call was at noon today and I went in to the set at around, I guess around 10, 30, 11 o'clock today. And I just hung out and, you know, I did a, I did some last minute checks and, you know, pointed my finger at a few things that could probably, you know, use another spritz of paint, uh, another piece of graphic, but it was done. It was ready. They were ready to film this thing. And I got to tell you, the crew did an amazing job. 
the set decorators hit it out of the park. Everything they brought in was perfect. The painters, they made this thing look like it had been there forever. Um, props got all the right stuff. Uh, construction built it just fantastic. It was, it, it, I think in the last episode I talked about the emotional feeling that I felt walking through the doors of Ben's Chili in Washington. And something happened today while I was sitting there just soaking in this great set, um, this great moment. I had kind of looked forward to it and I'd, I'd set the bar for myself uh, to... I wasn't sure whether when this thing was all said and done and I went and sat in the set, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to feel any of what I felt when I was in Washington, D.C. walking into this place. And while it wasn't exactly the same feeling, it was very similar. It was, it was, well, maybe not similar, it was, uh, in terms of volume of feeling, it was similar. It was very satisfying. It was uh, very cathartic for me, especially being somebody who I suffer from uh, imposter syndrome. Syndrome is such an overused term, but it's essentially kind of what I suffer from. It's lower self-esteem, I guess, or you know self-confidence in what it is that I do and how well I do my job and um, somehow I this this worked and it felt good and it, it, it really felt good to have um, people you respect tell you you did a good job and um, it felt good so I was sitting in there with the production designer and the art director, the other set designer that I went down and measured this set with. And she also helped to, uh, she played a huge part in getting this set where it is. Uh, she did a bunch of the drawings and then we discussed this set ad nauseum. Our graphics, uh, gra our graphic designer who worked on this set, she w was responsible for getting this thing to look graphically like it was supposed to so we were all sitting in there just kind of soaking this in as the DOP came in director of photography and tested out the lights then uh, one of the producers came in he was very very happy very complimentary uh, one of the, then the actors came in they were very complimentary they enjoyed it and then the director came in and she was, she said she couldn't even put in words how happy the set made her feel. And uh, it was great. Uh, I, I basically, I sat there in my own booth for like an hour, like I say. I didn't really talk a lot to people. I was just soaking it in. And I was just realizing that, I guess I'm, 
I guess I can do this. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I have done a lot of sets in my time, in my 20-some-odd, 20 27 years or whatever it has been. Almost 27 years since I started this job. And, uh... This was the first time I, I felt like uh, I got it right. I that I deserved. I deserved to be proud of what uh, what it is that I did. This one just felt different. I think it has to do with just. Thinking about my mom. Damn it. Can't see while I'm driving here. I was thinking about my mom as I was sitting there. And I wished that she could have seen it. And I wished that I could have shared with her how proud I was. She, uh, she and my father always supported me and uh, were my strongest cheerleaders. And she was always very excited and happy to hear about uh, my work and about the fun things that I got to do at work, even though it took me away from my family and kept me from my family. And... Uh, It really washed over me as I sat there, and I it, it was like I said, it was very cathartic. It was it was it was a nice release to actually feel like like an adult, like somebody who is a professional who actually knows what they're doing. And I don't say that as as, as a bragging thing. I just say it as I yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do know some of what it is that I'm doing and or talking about when it comes to it. And uh, it's as hard as it is for me to accept that, and I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I finally did today, and um, it, it gave me a lot of joy and satisfaction. So it was a good day. It was a, it was a good day for that. And I think uh, mom would be proud. She would be very proud to, to see what her boy did, you know. Um, so it was good. And uh, boy, I owe, uh, you know, huge debt to everybody that, that, that worked on it to, to make it what it is. Because um, there was something there was something special about this set beyond what all, many of the other sets that I have made over the years uh, or drawn or or, or, or had uh, come to fruition. There was something very special about this that uh, that just hit home. I think it hit home for a lot of people. Um, we have, you know, we have many very large and intense and 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 sort of like more. Um, des like one would say designerly sets that we're we're filming on and that we've started filming on and I don't think as many people were 
as excited for those sets as they are for this one. Uh, probably because of what it is that this Ben's Chili represents in Washington, D.C. and in, in the historical context of, of, um, of Black Lives. Uh, it, there was something special to have this recreated uh, and celebrated on... Uh, it will be celebrated on television. So, as part of this... It, as a regular thing in this series that I'm working on. So... Very nice, very nice. Um, so we celebrated with a, uh, a glass of wine at the end of the day and uh, some very delicious charcuterie. And uh, now I'm just um, heading on home. We've got the long weekend ahead. We'll probably, uh, I hope to get out to see my dad this weekend. It's been a couple, a couple weeks, almost a month, maybe even more since I've seen him. And, uh, We'll return the rental car out to the, the office. We'll uh, maybe uh, get out skating. Clara has... Uh, she started skating again. She's really um, getting into it. She's expressed an interest in it. And uh, she went last weekend with some of her friends. And uh, I sat in the uh, in the stands in the cold, cold arena and... Um, appreciated my parents also at that moment for the hours that they spent in cold arenas when uh, my brothers and I were kids and they were playing hockey and I think I only played hockey for maybe one year and did power skating for a couple of years and then quit because it was too cold for me. Um, but they spent hours and hours, days, months, <laughs> years in uh, cold arenas in Windsor watching my brothers play hockey. So um, I was living that uh, that uh, parent Canadian parent lifestyle, sitting in, a, sitting in an arena waiting for your child to come off the ice so you could go and get hot chocolate at Tim Hortons and a donut and uh, talk about life on the ice. Anyway, I'm almost home. I'm going to end it there. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm sorry it's been so long since uh, we've talked. Sorry I got a little uh, verklempt there, but you know what it's like here on the Slug is Doug podcast. I don't like to hold any of that stuff back. It's my life, man. It's who I am. <laughs> Sometimes the tears well up and you can't, you can't, you can't hold it, man. We're human. This is, this is how we live. Uh, like I say, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for, uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for all the nice comments uh, people have been leaving about uh, the episodes of um, the Star Trek podcast, 38 or whatever it's called, 78 episodes, 30 good ones uh, that I recently finished with uh, Oliver Rockside over on uh, that podcast, hoping to do something with him in the future. So um, anyway, I'll cut it short here. I'm rambling on. Take care, my friends. We'll talk to you soon. I love you. 